worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whatever, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Verses 1 through 18, all of Joshua chapter 1. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the power, the wisdom, the grace that rests upon your word. Thank you for the counsel that helps us to make right steps and right decisions absolutely every day as we spend time, as we live and dwell in the power, the wisdom, and the grace of your word. More and more empower us to be faithful hearers and doers of your word. And Lord, help us to grow in our understanding of the call for us to be kingdom warriors who know how to take the weapons 
of our warfare, the weapons you've given us, to go forth in battle, knowing that you've called us to always be on offense in the kingdom of God, doing your work and building your kingdom and tearing down the kingdom of darkness. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Rick Roberts, and Rick is going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we join the psalmist and say, Our souls wait on you, Lord, our help and our shield. That's what you are to us. Our hearts rejoice today, Father, in you because we trust in your holy name. We've lived out the Christian life, Father, a few years, and we can see that we can trust in you, we can lean on you, we can depend on you, that you are our strength and our shield. Thank you for that mercy that you show us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Let me say, too, we appreciate just all the response that we did uh, receive from the broadcast yesterday. And we will be sending out those uh, pro-life articles that we shared. And just a reminder, we as believers are so wise to allow the Word of God to help us keep our perspective correct. Because, you know, if you listen to the world, the news, and the media, you can get your perspective on life all messed up and all twisted around. But God's Word helps us to keep in mind that the most important thing in in life and in the world is Jesus, knowing Him, and following Him. And so, again, we're glad to share that, uh, those articles. And once again, my email is joseph at afr.net if you're still wanting to get copies of the articles. Remember, the goal is that you not only have them as reference tools, but you share them far and wide. Because especially with the life issue, lots of believers don't really see the issue from a biblical perspective, and they need to. Lots of leaders, even pastors and otherwise, don't really understand the life issue from God's heart and his perspective. And we're wise to understand that we're to see everything through the lens of the Word of God. So we're wise to do that. So once again, my email, joseph at afr.net. We're glad to share those resources and any and all the discipleship resources that we often mention. We're glad to share them with any and all of our listeners. And our hope is that you'll use them, but also pass them on to others so that they too can be better equipped kingdom warriors as well. We are very blessed and honored to have as our phone guest today, Pastor Judd Bow. He's the pastor of Tupelo Church of God here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Pastor Val, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. An honor and a privilege to have you on today. And would mention my wife and I had the privilege of being with you and your congregation just this past Sunday. And we appreciated the fact that you and the church took the time to come on board our mobile medical pregnancy unit laid hands and prayed over it, and also many are are involved in helping to uh, financially support the ministry as well. And so we we really appreciate you taking the time to pray over it and to let us bring the unit there to your church family. So, But as we get started, Pastor Val, would you take time now to further uh, introduce yourself and tell us about you and yourself, anything you want to share about yourself and the church before we move into the topics we'll be looking at today. Sure. Uh, thank you. Um, by the way, we thoroughly enjoyed having you uh, there with us this past. We appreciate what you what you and your wife are doing. And I think one of my favorite things about it is not only what you're doing in the ministry, but your heart behind it, that when you share about hearing the voice of God speak to you and basically say, um, while you were 
praying about and looking for somebody else to engage to basically hear his call for you to take up that action and to uh, engage. And so I, I appreciate you and your wife and your obedience in doing that. And I love to hear that as a pastor when other people are not just feeling the press on the heart or hearing his voice, but are willing to step into it and do what is necessary because God has chosen while well, he could do anything. I do believe in the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. He has chosen to work through us. That's right. And so for his things to be done, his will to be accomplished, we must engage. And so I just want to tell you, thank you and appreciate you Amen. for that. Yes, sir. <laughs> My wife and I have um, been pastoring since 1998. We've been married since 1997, so we started pastoring our one-year anniversary to the date. You know, the Scripture's restricted in the Levitical law, and got married. He wasn't supposed to work out of town or go to work until after he'd been married for a year, and so mm-hmm. we did both. <laughs> we took a trip not too far down the road and went to war on our one-year anniversary, and at that time, God has blessed us with five wonderful children, four of them are in the young adult stages, two of them, one getting married this weekend, another in the spring. And then we have a uh, tag behind who came along nine years after the original Mm. baby of the family. And so we've got five beautiful children. We pastor there at the Tupelo Church of God, where we have pastored for nine years, following after the ministry of uh, Brother Jack Edsell, after Mm -hmm. his retirement. I appreciate him, his wife and family, and all that they did building up and leading the way to that point where we were able to come in and to plug in and become a part of what that church is doing in our community. Mm-hmm. The church is located on the east side of town on Briar Ridge Road at 1813 on Briar Ridge Road, and we'd be glad to have anybody that would like to come and worship with us and come be a part. We would love that, and they can find additional information at TupeloCOG.org as well. But just thank you for the chance to, to be here with you guys. All right. Well, again, grateful to have you on the broadcast. And uh, Pastor Val, just to kind of set up what we'll be talking about, something I want to mention uh, as we get started is in our culture, I think it's very important and helpful for, well, pastors in particular, but believers as a whole to recognize that whether people fully understand this or not, Pastors hold a very critically important place in the kingdom of God. They're in a position to both lead, guide, and teach the word of God, preach the word of God, but they have a tremendous place of influence in our culture. And I believe to faithfully be a pastor, you have to be courageous and bold in doing your work. And to be often, to, to be quite honest, very often Courage and boldness are not things that many times people uh, connect to pastors. <laughs> and so as we get started, I'm, I, I first want to say I appreciate you being on with us, but I'm going to ask you to share your mind and your heart as a pastor uh, about the issues we'll be talking about. And if you feel so led to share, just just like, for example, I, I, re- I recall you mentioned this past Sunday, you mentioned that no one understands what it's like to pastor like a pastor would. And of course, that's true for most any uh, thing that's done, I guess, in life, though. But some unique things that come to the pastorate. So as we start, uh, I'm going to ask that you'll first pray for our listeners that they would have ears to hear, because obviously 
the Holy Spirit's going to speak to every listener, not just to the pastors in our listening audience, but to every listener. So would you pray for our listeners to have the ears to hear what the Spirit would say to them today? Yes. Father, we, we want to thank you that the anointing that was upon Christ was for the purpose of opening blinded eyes. And we see his hand at work as he restored hearing to the deaf. And these marks and miracles are part of the confirmation of who he is. And that hasn't stopped. We still need that confirmation today so that men and women can hear your voice and recognize you. And so we ask that you'd move in your sovereignty and that you would touch their eyes and the ears of the people who are listening. Touch their eyes that they may see you in the words that they are hearing. Touch their hearts that they'd be open to receive it. Touch us in such a way that we'll lay down all of our defenses and we won't resist what it is that you speak to us. And when you offer correction, that we will receive it, embrace it, and celebrate it. When you offer us encouragement, that we will not be satisfied to stay in the space of our victimization, but that we would understand that you've called us up out of it, and you've called us into a higher place, that you did not give your son for us to make it through. You gave your son for us to fully overcome. And you have not called us to be your ambassadors to just offer the hope of the ability to go through and endure everything, but you've made us your ambassadors to be representatives of the truth, of the power to overcome. And so I'm asking you to cause that to come to life within every heart and mind that be listening today, that you would stir up the faith that you've imparted to them, that you'd bring to the forefront of the mind the years of preaching and teaching that they, for those that have been in the church, that they have heard, cause stir up and let it find faith and let it renew their vision and their passion. We pray for the lost as well, that maybe this will be their first time to ever hear the gospel or to hear the truth or scripture, that you would not allow that seed to fall on the ground that hasn't been prepared, but you'd prepare those hearts even now and let it take great root in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And we're going to go into a break and we'll pick up on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Is anyone 
Music of Andrew Peterson with Is He Worthy? Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Pastor Judd Val, the pastor of Tupelo Church of God. And before Judd, uh, Pastor Judd comes back, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verses 10 through 20, Ephesians chapter 6. Well, Pastor Val, I know in part, part of what uh, was on your heart to sh- uh, share about was we were to talk about spiritual warfare. So whatever direction you're wanting to go, please do at this time. Yes, sir. Well, I'd like to plug into the reference you just made in Ephesians chapter 6 and add to it Second Corinthians chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, the, the space that I want to plug into in Ephesians chapter 6 is his reference of verse 12, our struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, and against world forces of this darkness, and I'm reading from New American Standard, um, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, when we read that section of Scripture, if, if we are not familiar and don't apply the entirety of Scripture, uh, especially if it's something you've just been exposed to once or twice, you may find yourself feeling like that this is something that's the the spiritual entity, the the space of the uh, conflict makes it feel like it's somewhere other than here. That it's you know taking place in the heavenlies, just in this realm. Where right? I am with my feet solid on the on the ground, and we feel somewhat detached from it. But Second Corinthians chapter 10, as the Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he, he helps bring some of that back to earth and bring it back into direct contact with where we're at. And he's speaking along the same lines, dealing with spiritual warfare. And in verse 3 of chapter 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we see the direct correlation between the, spirit, the issue of spiritual conflict. Mm-hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And so we see another clear correlation between the things that he is referencing, uh, powers, worldly forces in darkness, spiritual forces in wickedness in heavenly places, connecting, just connecting dots, basically. Mm-hmm. And so as he said that, <clears throat> He continues on, he says, we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And this is the essential part where he bring he helps connect the dots between us and where we're at with our feet firmly on the ground. Mm-hmm. And these things that we read of there in Ephesians that are high and lifted up and in the heavenly places seem to be tangible to us. Mm-hmm. And by connecting the dot there to speculation and the things that raise themselves against the knowledge of God, we're able to see that spiritual warfare is largely being made manifest in the process of our minds. Mm-hmm. And so Christians don't need to be always visualizing themselves as a sword in their hand, fighting some demonic entity or spiritual force that's somewhere way out there. But they need to understand that this takes place on the inside 
and for a large part, uh, there are broader, bigger, larger things happening. Mm-hmm. But in that day-to-day, it's a war that's being waged in the battlefield of the mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, in other words, that and, last phrase you just mentioned would be very important to grasp, that the mind is one of the biggest battlefields individual believers fight on, fight in, fight through every single day. Absolutely. Mm. And and in verse 5, he points out what is it that we are destroying? What are What is it that we're, we're fighting against? The speculation and anything that comes against the knowledge of God. So in the battlefield of the mind, it's not like you're waiting to hear some gruff voice that's cursing God. Mm-hmm. It's the gentle voice that's asking the question about God. I don't have anything wrong with people working through the processes of, of exp- you know, um, exploring the pursuit of God, asking the questions that you need real answers to. But what I do have a problem with, and I find very challenging as a pastor, and I see people go through this cycle, is that when they ask those questions, and but they seek answers everywhere except for in the scripture. Mm-hmm. The scri- scripture is the revealed character and nature of God that's been written and preserved. It's one of the most uh, preserved. It actually is the most preserved book in all of antiquity. Mm-hmm. And there are more older and age copies that confirm the consistency of scripture than any other book. But it faces the greatest criticism as having been historically accurate and consistent. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why would you not argue over all the other historical books, some of which we only have one or two copies, and nobody debates the legitimacy of them? So why pick Scripture? Because in the Scripture is life. Mm-hmm. In the Scripture is the guidance to Christ. In the scripture is the equipping of the saints in order to wage war and be able to respond appropriately to the things that rise up against the knowledge of God and bring speculation and accusation. Hmm. And so when we look at this, we see that the battle is over what is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and th- this is the the... It's really fascinating to me um, to watch how patient the enemy is, to see the multiple steps that he takes to create the environment, to raise these questions. When I was being, when I was coming up, I'm 46, about to be 47, and when I was coming up, the way that I believed in general was supported, slightly challenged, but for the most part, supported by the culture that I was being raised in. It was supported by the system I was being educated through. Mm -hmm. It was supported by my neighbor. It was supported, obviously, by my family. Mm -hmm. Well, that same system that helped support me in my Christian faith, that provided confirmation to things that were proven to be practical and real through experience, common sense, the testimony of nature, as well as the witness of Scripture— that same support system now has created the constant question in the hearts and minds of individuals, as young people in particular, of what is true? And how do we know that's true? 
And what gives you the right to say that that's true when it when I don't necessarily want to believe that or I don't necessarily agree with that? And and we can't get any clearer in the setup of the conflict between speculation and anything that comes against the knowledge of God versus the truth of Scripture. We we live we are living right in the middle of this verse and this challenge, and and it's not anything new. It's just new in our culture because of the shift that's taken place over the last uh, three decades. And so it, it's it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what we have to do is, as believers, we have to become more comfortable with the absolutes of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And we have to lose the, and lay down the intimidation factor of all the name-calling and all the things that come along with, uh, well, what gives you the right mm-hmm. to say that this is true? Mm-hmm. What gives you the right to disqualify how I think or how I feel? And we've been intimidated out of speaking truth. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the irony is, is that in Genesis, in chapter 3, mm-hmm. we have Adam and Eve and in the garden, and they're preserved in innocence. They have no knowledge of 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 right and wrong, and they're preserved in innocence in, in because of that. Mm-hmm. And they are told, though, there's there's this tree that you're not supposed to eat from because it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And Satan comes along, and he says, oh, you're, you're not going to die. God just doesn't want you to be like him, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong. God's holding something back from you. And we see that Eve is challenged by this thought of what is God keeping from me? Because when she takes the fruit and she looks at it, and it looks like it would be good to eat, and the scriptures record this, and she thought that it was good to make one's own self wise. We see Eve fighting to meet her own need mm-hmm. instead of trusting the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And we, we all go through stages of where we're, we're looking for answers. We're trying to figure this out. We're saying, what is my role? What do I need to do, etc. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that when Satan said, God is, doesn't want you to be like him, he planted the thought in her mind that God is keeping something good from you. Which inevitably becomes in all, all of our hearts and our minds the question: Does God really have my best interest in mind? Mm-hmm. And it starts this snowball effect: mm-hmm. Does God have his be- my best interest in mind? Uh, is God keeping something from me? Does He have my best interest in mind? Does God really love me? Pastor Val, I'm gonna have to jump he- in right here. We're gonna pick up right there on the other side. Our phone guest today is Pastor Judd Val. He's the pastor of Tupelo Church of God. We'll be right back. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
Michael W. Smith with Surrounded. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be well-equipped to be warriors on the battlefield, equipped by the power and the wisdom of your word. Father, more and more help us as men and women of God, as boys and girls, as believers who know and love you, help us to learn how to walk with you, to put your armor uh, that will put the weapons you've made available to us to work so that we can live continually, always being on offense as we build your kingdom. Teach us to walk with you faithfully, to trust you in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, our phone guest today is Pastor Judd Bowell. He's the pastor of Tupelo Church of God. Pastor Bowell, as we begin this last segment, would you specifically pray, and then we want you to pick up where you left off, though, but pray for believers to grow in their understanding of the need to be rooted in God's powerful word. Yes, sir. Father, I want to thank you for the gift of your word. Uh, how precious a thing it is that you, you went through. You were emphatic that we would know it, that it would be available to us, and you have preserved it through so many different instances and so many voices that have risen against it and so many powers that be that have resisted it and done what they could to destroy it. But you were adamant. You were adamant to ensure that your written word would be available to us. Help us recognize if you place such high value on something, then it is that important to us as well. Help us to recognize that value. Help us also to understand that where it says that Christ himself is the word, he's the manifestation of all, everything thought behind it and everything spoken through it. He's the fullness of that word. And he was made manifest and revealed to us the fullness of your heart and your character. But that life was captured and preserved through the historical record of your scripture, along with the rest of your interactions that you've had with man prior to the coming of Christ. And therefore, it's in this written record that we find the revelation of who you are. So to know your word is to know you. To spend time in your word is to spend time with you. To seek an answer from you is to seek an answer in your word. You're not detached nor removed from this word. It is the manifestation of your heart, your character, and your mind. And I'm asking you to renew that awareness in the minds of believers and that you'd stir up their passions again. I appreciate the worship atmosphere that's in our, our, among our churches now. But we cannot be detached from the truth, from the consistency, from the balance of your scripture, 
So as we love on you through song, as we love on you through other expressions of worship, help us not step away from loving on you through time and your word. Let it do its work as you bring a true and honest revival to the hearts, minds, and devotion of the body of Christ to that which is spoken. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll pick up right I where you left off. Thank you, sir. I was referencing Genesis 3 and the, the battle that Eve was in the midst of. And in her mind, as she was processing what Satan was saying, oh, God just doesn't want you to know. And the, the process that it took her through is God keeping something from me that would be good for me? Does God really love me that he's going to take care of me? And does this mean I need to take care of myself? And so she began to take up the mantle of her own preservation, the mantle of her own educational, if you'll let me put it that way, uh, process of exploring and learning what God has, uh, in quotes, wrongfully kept from her. Mm. And as a result, she takes it, she eats the fruit, she creates she opens the door, which creates the environment that we now struggle with, with sickness and death and the difficulty of, of living and even the necessity that Christ came and gave his life to redeem us from every sin that started in that one moment of rebellion, which started from an abandonment of what God had spoken. Mm-hmm. What he had spoken, he had spoken in kindness. Mm-hmm. He spoke it to us in this tender preservation. He had created us in innocence without accountability to those things. And in free will, it's there. But in his tenderness, he says, now, don't go here. Let's don't go here. Let's stay in the, the safe space that I have created you for. Let's stay in the space of fellowship, relationship. Let's stay in the space of being my representative, having been created in his image and given authority over the earth. We're supposed to be God's reflection to all creation. So stay out of this space because it will interfere with the, with the ability to do that. And as she abandoned the command of God, and as she abandoned the idea that God, out of love and devotion, was protecting her, she took up the most difficult fight any person will ever take up, and that is providing for oneself outside of God's grace. I see people struggle with it all the time, you know, and and we see young people that come up that abandon the church the vast majority of the time. They abandon the church because of the question, is God really good? Mm -hmm. Is God really going to help me? And it causes them to lay down their faith because they can't match the challenges that sin creates Mm -hmm. with the goodness of a God. And somewhere down the line, somebody blurred the differences between what God's responsible for and what God's not. God doesn't enter to the heart of a man and make him choose sin. Mm. Um, It's not his goodness that pushes the wickedness. It's his goodness that's striving to rescue us from the wickedness of our own selves. Mm. And uh, I appreciate his kindness and his grace. And if I I would like to take a moment and I'd like to pray for the individuals who are stuck in this space. That they're they're in the middle of that battle of God. Do, are you really good, mm-hmm. and do you really have my best interest in mind? Please go ahead. God, only you, only you, 
can really push through that challenge. The end result is that we took up the mantle of, of being our own little G-gods, and we walked away from the precious gift that you'd given to us in innocence. And there are people who are hurting from it, left and right, all around us. There are people who are suffering because of the will of man and our self-driven and even selfish nature, our rebellious and contentious nature. And it's created so much hurt and so much pain. And the enemy has taken and he's confused humanity and he's yes. made the line blurry as to who's responsible and who do we hold accountable. Yes. And in our hurts, it's not that we abandon our faith that you exist. We may say that we don't believe in you, but the real challenge is, is that in our hurt, we don't understand how and why. And so we look for someone to blame, and we don't want to take the responsibility on ourselves. And so instead of blaming those around us, instead of taking responsibility for us, we point our finger at you, and we point at you, and we say it's because you're not good, and you're not faithful, and it's just not true. We find, Father, that you have been working to rescue us from the very beginning, from the very moment that the first person ever committed sin. Your record displays to us that Christ was a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. You were already working to rescue and redeem us from the consequence of our sin because your love is great and your mercy is unending. And I pray for that person that's out there that's stuck in that question, that's trying to figure it out. I first pray against the lie of the enemy. I pray that you would cast the lie down, that you'd expose truth to them. I pray that you would bind up the woundedness and the hurt that's in their heart, that you'd remove all the confusion, that you'd let them hear your voice as you whisper to them, saying, I love you, and I have good in mind for you, that your thoughts toward them are not for calamity or for evil, but then to give them a hope and a future. Let that come to life. Let it be quickened on the inside. And we stand in the name of Jesus, taking full authority over every other voice that would hinder their ability to hear and to receive that. Stir up the faith that you've given them. Let it unite with that word and that promise, how great your love is, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Val. Uh, our time is just about gone. Uh, I want to ask any, what, what specific word of encouragement would you say to Christian uh, fathers and mothers listening and to Christian children as well? What word of encouragement would you share in the next couple minutes uh, before we end our time today? Okay. If the spiritual warfare says that, you know, we're fighting against things that exalt himself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, the implication is that you have the power to choose, that you're not stuck and uh, in, in the pastoral role throughout the years. We found people who just, they really find their minds being bombarded. And it's one thing to have a thought come to your mind. It's another thing to feel like you can't manage a thought, and it becomes very oppressive. Mm -hmm. And we want people to understand that through, the, through your fellowship with Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. through his ability to, to forgive you and to cause you to be born again, he renews the mind, he sets you free from the power of sin and death, and you are no longer bound to it. Mm -hmm. Through the precious name of Jesus Christ and the power of his word, you have the ability to command your thought to come into submission to the authority of Christ. You have the ability according to Philippians 4, to choose to think on 
the things that are honorable, true, right, pure, lovely, and of good report. God has not left us as powerless victims, but he has set us free and called us to be his ambassadors and to stand in the fullness of the authority of who he is. And he's given us, as you quoted from the scripture earlier, referencing the armor of God, he has given us the word that we can employ that word. And we see it modeled by Christ. Whenever the enemy came against him in this time of temptation in the wilderness, he repeatedly said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Mm -hmm. And this is the venue through which we take authority over the unholy things spoken, the confusing lies, the challenging questions. We apply Mm -hmm. the word of God directly to them in response. And when we do, they lose their power. They lose their influence over us. Now, if we're going to do that, then we have to be committed to the Scripture. Mm -hmm. We have to take the time to expose ourselves to it, not once, not twice, but until it becomes a part of who we are. In, In the neurological sciences, when you think a certain way, you build a neurological path Mm-hmm. That predisposes your mind and emotions to go in the same direction. When we follow the command of Scripture to raise our children up in the Word, mm-hmm. to speak of it when we go about the way, when we lie down, when we rise up, what we're doing is building a neurological path of truth in their mind so that when they come into these moments and seasons of being challenged, these difficulties of life, these obscure questions that draw them out of their faith, that their mind has been literally trained to go in the direction of truth, and they have those things committed to their heart and mind so that they can speak to those lies and they can overcome them. You well, may have been a victim before Christ. Pastor, I'm going to have to jump in here. I'm going to have to jump in real quick, or our time is just about completely gone. But thank you again so much for being with us. Uh, before we end our time as we normally do, before, uh, if you're listening today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great day for you to be saved. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. I repent and turn from the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we want to be in touch with you. My email, once again, joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord. Please email us if you made that step. Again, joseph at afr.net. Pastor Val, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we're going to need to get you back so we can finish our conversation. But thanks for being with us. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Please pray much for Pastor Val and the Church of God family. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.